Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Saturday, April 11th. My name is Hannah Trav. I'm a comedian, law student, and my current life goal is to learn to do a headstand. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and producer, Ross Wiseman. Hi, Ross. Hi. Uh, my head is staying right side up, please. You don't want to do upside down things? Nah. I can barely, I've barely mastered right side up things, so I don't want to add another direction into it. You're like, I will stay feet on the ground. Yeah, um, it's not, I'm just at the beginning of this endeavor, so I can't say it's going super well, but I'm having fun. Um, anyway, so today's episode will be amazing. We are joined by a special guest, one of my favorite people, a fellow law student and um, just bad bitch, Tatiana Cook, joins us and she is telling us about medicinal marijuana laws and protections for people applying for jobs or in employer contexts, um, keeping their jobs if they're on medicinal marijuana. It's very interesting and super chill. Uh, and then we'll be also doing a special HTHT with Tatiana about the wedding industry because um, she is planning a wedding and I hate the wedding industry. So we talked about it. Now, before we get started, uh, this is such a tough time, so I just want to take the opportunity to first and foremost thank healthcare workers and all essential employees who are going to their jobs and on the front lines, whether it's taking care of patients and fighting COVID medically, or whether it's providing basic services such as grocery store workers and just everybody who's out there. Thank you so much. We are so grateful for your hard work. And, um, you know, every day there are new updates with COVID, so I know that um the news is changing we're a weekly podcast and last week i talked about the cares act which i know is a dense episode so i promise you this episode is um on a much lighter topic but my point is i'm not going to talk about covid today i do want to just flag that there are websites and news outlets that are taking down like the paywall for covid related news so um, for example, Washington Post, all of their stories about COVID are free. You don't have to have a subscription. Same with Philly Inquirer. Um, so I'm going to post some of those on the website. Definitely stay up and read. I would say don't read too much because it is anxiety inducing. Um, all you need to know right now is like stay at home, keep, take care of yourself, follow what's going on. Um, if there's something you have questions about like law wise or just life wise and you want me to talk about it, I have some free time. So feel free to DM me on Instagram or Twitter and I'll post a video and talk about what you're asking. Also, I got invited today to like a Facebook page called Reopen America. No, that's not the right answer. Don't leave it shut. Yeah, we are not reopening things. This is not, no. Um, other thing before we get started, uh, big news this week that I'm not gonna talk about this week, probably next week, uh, Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race, Democratic primary 2020. Um, Joe Biden is looking like the front runner, but hey, uh, we here at Keep You Posted are just hoping that Tom Steyer jumps back in, baby. Tom Steyer 2020. On that note, let's do it. segment we will be talking to my dear friend Tatiana Cook about marijuana legislation um, specifically medicinal marijuana what's up Tat how you doing hey I'm doing great enjoying this Saturday 
Yeah, it's great. I'm so excited. Um, okay, so a little background. We've gotten a couple responses from people. I love when people request segments and um, we got a request to talk about marijuana legislation. And then I heard a story from someone else talking about specifically in an employment context, um, they applied for a job at um, a company I will not give the name of, but a major tech and entertainment leader uh, in Philadelphia. Ooh. So uh, imply from that what you may. Um, and the person that applied for the job was prescribed medicinal marijuana, tested positive for THC on their drug test. And actually the company, instead of like, uh, denying the job, um, just asked the person to email copies of their patient card, uh, their medical marijuana patient card. And so, and then had to like sign a form saying like, I'm prescribed medicinal marijuana. Um, and the person was telling me that like, it was stressful for them because they weren't sure if they would know, they weren't sure for a little while if they were going to be denied the job because they use medicinal marijuana. Um, and said the form they signed was like a little legally shady. <laughs> that was their, uh, their take on it. So Tatiana is studying, she's in law school with me at Temple and is studying employment law and has done research specifically on the issue of in like the employment rate, uh, world. So she's going to tell us a little bit about that. And I'm super excited because you know your shit. So let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I hope I know some stuff, Uh, but okay. So, I mean, that's actually pretty common. Um, and we'll go through as to why, but basically that's a C C Y A measure for companies like that. C Y A. Cover your ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know that legal term. <laughs> but that's not a legal term. But um, yeah, so I mean, so medical marijuana is a huge, huge issue right now, um, both positively and negatively mm-hmm. for um, people that use it and for employers and businesses because it's sort of a new, it's a new world, right? Like we've mm-hmm. never, um, we've never dealt with this before. We've been a country that has a long-standing anti-marijuana stance. I mean, this goes back to, I mean, the Reagan era. So, and even before that. So, um, yeah, so this is definitely different. And there's a lot of questions as to what is the relationship relationship between the states and the federal government and what, what can people um, that use medical marijuana do to be protected and what can employers do to not to also protect themselves. So I wrote um, a paper about um, the private right of action under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and if you're not familiar with the ADA, it's basically um, a federal civil rights law um, that basically says you can't discriminate um, or terminate someone or do any sort of unlawful employment action um, for someone's disability. And mm-hmm. the term disability can, you know, culminate a lot of things. Um, and a lot of people fall under that umbrella. And what's been sort of debated now is whether or not people that use medical marijuana for an illness also fall under this umbrella of having a disability. So what I did was... Can I ask a question real quick? So the debate about whether they have a disability, wouldn't that, like, aren't people who take medicinal marijuana using it for 
or for conditions that another medication would treat and that would qualify as a disability. Yeah. Like I think about like seizures, yeah. for example. So yeah. like that would be that would be totally counted as a disability right. if you were taking you know whatever seizure medication. But right. yeah, marijuana, that's, that's it might be different. Right, and that's the problem. It's like where do we draw the line and what is a disability? Because if you take the marijuana away, someone's illness is still a disability. Mm -hmm. And discriminating against that under the ADA um, is unlawful. So, um, I and wrote, very not chill. Yeah, it's, it's not for not chill. We shouldn't be doing that in 2020 um, because that's just wrong and you shouldn't yeah. be a shitty employer. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I wrote this paper for guided research, which is basically a class that you can just do whatever you want. Uh, Temple doesn't have <laughs> <laughs> Temple because you can just do whatever you want. You can you really can super chill. Have, um, as many employment law classes this year, so I decided to do just research on different employment topics myself, and that's just how I came up with the topic. Um, and I also wrote it because. The firm that I'm hopefully going to um, has a huge um, cannabis regulation practice. And I say hopefully because we have no idea what's going on with uh, coronavirus. Yeah. Um, but they have a huge um, cannabis law practice and it seemed right. really cool and super interesting. So just decided to do some research myself. And um, I guess I'll just start with how we got here in the first place. So um, we have how every stoner starts their ascent. Yeah. How did we even get here in the? <laughs> how did we? How do we exist? You know, um, I'm just thinking about like, how did we get here? Okay, continue. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so I'll save everybody the whole like controlled substances act background because that's just like way too much history. But I'll start with California. Um, so um, California in 1996 passed. Um, the California Compassionate Use Act. Um, and this was, they were basically the first state to decriminalize the medical use of marijuana. Um, and this act, what it did was it granted Californians the right to obtain and use medical marijuana for medical purposes. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you would have to get a prescription by a doctor. And you could use medical marijuana for a ton of things. So um, in their statute itself, it says you can use it for cancer, anorexia, AIDS, chronic pain, spasticity, glaucoma, arthritis, migraine, or any other illness for which marijuana provides relief, which is a shit ton of diseases. Um, this is 1996? This is 1996. Ross, how old were you? <laughs> I was born then. <laughs> old enough to still. <laughs> no. Yeah, I came right out of my mom with a little doobie. <laughs> That's what that, that was what they called you as a baby. Oh, a little doobie. Mm -hmm. Okay, continue. Um, but <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, so after this passed, um, a lot of states started to follow California, you know, trying to be um, sort of proactive and progressive. Arizona passed um, Proposition, Proposition 200, yeah, um, which basically did the same thing. So it allowed physicians to recommend medical marijuana, um, and uh, a lot of other states started to follow. Uh, followed suit, and two states that most recently followed suit were Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So, um, in 2008, New Jersey passed the New Jersey Compassionate Use for Medical Marijuana Act, mm -hmm. um, which has now been 
renamed, I'm pretty sure, to the Jake Honig, Honig Compassionate Use for Medical Marijuana Act. If I'm butchering that, I will re-not butcher that later. So they, they <laughs> renamed it and they didn't choose to rename it House Bill 420. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they really lost out on some opportunities there. Right. <laughs> um, and then Pennsylvania passed the Medical Marijuana Act, you know, just being very uh, creative with their naming. So, mm -hmm. so they passed both of these statutes, right? The whole point about the statute is to provide rights and to provide laws people can follow. Mm -hmm. If somebody breaks the law, what can you do? It breaks the law in what way? Like if an employer breaks the law or if somebody else breaks the law, like you that are the victim can go and sue, right? Right. The problem is Pennsylvania did not have a private right of action for their, for people that fell under this statute. We have this great statute that allows medical marijuana, but how me as an employee, like say that I have, you know, severe anxiety or I have back pain or mm -hmm. syndrome, because that is actually what it's being prescribed for a lot now. Um, go doctors. Um, Premenstrual system. Yeah. Um, how can I still use medical marijuana and also still legally be employed? And how can my employer also make sure that they are not discriminated against me? Right. So a lot of that question is whether or not there is a private right of action under this statute. Um, and up until 2019, actually my birthday, November 22nd, 2019, um, EA never addressed this. So um, before this past November, technically, yeah, you could be discharged for being a medical marijuana user. Um, and I, I just said medical marijuana user. That sounds so like ridiculous. <laughs> but um, yeah, you you're blazing up because you sick. <laughs> <laughs> you could technically be fired for using marijuana, even if you had a prescription. The Medical Marijuana Act really just lays out the details about who gets a prescription mm -hmm. and what the caregivers are, um, what the medical marijuana establishment needs to look like, but mm -hmm. it's sort of missed, there's a giant hole in the statute about, you know, what can employees do and what can employers do. Right. Um, so, and in 2018, um, this was the first step in uh, the case called Palmater versus Commonwealth Health Systems. Um, and this was a case in, the, in Lackawanna County, which I think is out towards Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, Lackawanna. No, I think Lackawanna that's, is like Scranton. Yeah, that's it, Scranton because they always mention that in the office. And that's the only reason I know, you know it. I don't watch the office and I feel like I'm the only one. Wait this planet wait but, why me yeah i just haven't i mean i think that's going to be on my to-do list like, yeah, you have time. <laughs> yeah if only you had a bunch of weeks to sit <laughs> also wait that's so interesting i feel like uh yeah the office is one that most people have watched like too many times where it's like okay you know there's like other shows so wow and I'm so sometimes excited. they bring up marijuana so it's for class. Yeah, it's, it's basically homework. And uh, I mean, the last two oh, seasons, it's basically homework. Am I right, guys? 
<laughs> oh man, I'm so excited. You'll have to report back to us after you start watching The Office and just be like, yo, this is so funny. I love it. I hope I, I, hope I like the humor. I mean, I like dry humor. So is it, it's dry? Okay. It's silly. Bone I mean, dry. It's like, okay. Is it bone dry? I don't know. I don't You'll know. like it. I'm feeling bone dry. Like <laughs> you feel bone dry? Yeah, so what's this about marijuana, <laughs> Tatiana? Ross Johnson. <laughs> um, all right, so I'll just talk about this. Lackawanna. Yeah, so this happened in Lackawanna County. So um, this woman, Pamela Palmer, um, she sued her employer, which was the Medical Associates of Northeastern PA. Um, and she sued her employer for discriminating against her because of her medical marijuana use. Um, she was prescribed medical marijuana because she had chronic pain, chronic migraines, and persistent fatigue, which is like a very, really popular reason why it's prescribed to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, so she informed her employer about this, and she told them that she had a prescription, and um, she ended up applying for a new position um, when the company got acquired. Um, mm -hmm. So. The company sort of changed hands a couple of times, but it was always the same employer, just now under a new, new name, and they always knew about that she had a prescription. So nothing really changed besides mm -hmm. the name of the company. Um, so the employer ended up promoting her to this position, but they said that she has to undergo a drug test now. New position, new drug test. Mm. So she goes to a drug test, um, and she gets... She reports the lab and she tells them like, yo, I'm prescribed medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, and then receives a call from her employer three days later um, that she was fired, that she couldn't work there. And, um, and you know, they said that the reason was because that she was using marijuana, which is technically an illegal drug, even though they knew uh, that she had a prescription. So basically she sued under this, statute the PA statute and basically it was just like look guys like you knew I had this um, so I shouldn't be I shouldn't be uh, fired and also like this is illegal under the medical marijuana act like you're discriminating against me for um, for basically using marijuana yeah um, the defendants will basically the employer would just be like we're basically just like yeah uh, sorry <laughs> like the statute, if you read it closely, doesn't actually give you a private right of action. So you can't right. swear to the statute because it doesn't cover you to begin with. This goes into a whole argument about statutory interpretation, which I hated my 1L year. And now it seems like that is all I freaking do. And yeah. it's actually kind of annoying how much I like it now. So um, it goes back to this old, old case. Um, and basically, when a statute is void of any language of a private right of action in Pennsylvania, you look to like the purpose of it. Um, Wait, I I'm gonna stop real quick, Ross. Do you, are you following this statutory interpretation thing? No. Okay, this is why I jumped in. Okay. Okay. So we like to get to legalese. <laughs> yeah. So statutory interpretation comes up when. Obviously, you have a statute, and there are different ways that when you sue under a statute, what, what Tatiana is describing is like if they can't, if the courts can't like figure out, you know, what, what to do. the language isn't clear, if it's ambiguous, or if like, okay, in this case, like 
the person is trying to bring a cause of action that's not explicitly allowed by the statute, the court will look at it and they use different ways of doing it, of different ways of evaluating the statute to figure out what it actually means. So like in my Supreme Court class, which we will get into later, like they use statutory interpretation in the Supreme Court all the time. So there's different methods of how courts interpret statutes in different contexts, but what Tatiana is describing is one of them is they'll go, are you talking about legislative history or just like legislative purpose? Intent, yeah. So like, why did the, why did the people who made this law, why did the state or the federal government, the legislation, why did it get passed? And you look at like legislative records. So like who proposed the bill? Why did they do it? What kind of issues were leading up to this? And, uh, and the court will try to do that when evaluating and making its decision, if especially if the like language of the statute isn't clear. Does that make sense, Ross? Yeah, I think so. Feel free to quip in any time if it's not because yeah, no, I will. We nerd out hard. <laughs> I know it's so funny. I was yeah. Um, so well, look at the purpose. Oh yes, they basically just looked at the purpose of the statute, and there's one part of the statute that says like this statute was the class of people for whose special benefit the, the medical marijuana was enacted. So the reason why the legislation, the legislature passed the statute was to protect medical marijuana users. Mm-hmm. Um, like they weren't pulling this out of their ass. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Um, so the court basically says like it's public policy. Like if if we deny a private right of action for fighting a medical marijuana user, it would basically render this whole clause, this whole statute useless. Like it would render the whole entire thing useless because what is the point of that if we're going to allow you to discriminate under Medical Marijuana Act um, when we put it there in the first place to provide protections? Right, okay. Um, So, right, so the Court of Common Pleas rules in the plaintiff's flavor. Problem with that, though, is that this is a non-binding case. So we're still at square one in Pennsylvania. So non-binding means because it's in the court of common pleas, yeah. and it, I'm assuming it didn't get appealed. So um, is it non-binding because the court, like, did one of those things where they're like, by the way, this isn't binding, or is it just... No, no, because it's a court of common pleas. Okay. Yeah, so, like, when something's not appealed and it gets either settled or something, or it's, like, just goes to the lowest court... Um, it doesn't bind the rest of the courts. So like once it goes up to the Pennsylvania Superior Court or the Supreme Court, then other court of common pleas in the state have to listen to what those courts said. But that's not the case when it's the court of common pleas. Every single county or whatever has their own court of common pleas. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's where we're at with that right now. And that was just last, you know, for us last semester, that's how I measure my time now. Um, but that was just in November. Um, so there's a lot yeah. of developments. Um, and I have to check that if, the, if that's been appealed or not. Right. I haven't looked at this paper since, you know, uh, January. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that also brings us to New Jersey. So in New Jersey, they um, passed the Compassionate Use of Medical Marijuana Act. Um, whether or not, which I also need to check, um, the private right of action is awarded to a plaintiff, it has yet to be decided. So in Wild versus Carriage Funeral Holdings Incorporated, mm-hmm. uh, a funeral director was diagnosed with cancer in 2015, prescribed medical marijuana as a result. Um, and then he was hit with his car and he was admitted to the hospital. And so at the hospital, he told the doctor that his doctor prescribed him medical marijuana. 
Um, and because of that, the doctor refrained from doing a blood test because I'm not really sure how, how uh, this like science works, but like <laughs> they don't <laughs> do blood tests if like you're under the influence uh, of something else. I'm not really okay. sure. But anyways, that's what happened. Um, so the doctor was like, I'm not going to do a blood test because it's clear you're already under the influence of marijuana. Like I don't need to do another one. Mm -hmm. I think that's crazy, but, um, I don't get it, but science is so, um, so the, the plaintiff's father took his medical prescription and the marijuana license to his employer mm -hmm. and he told the employer, like, look, like my son was at the hospital. They didn't perform a blood test on him. Um, and the employer was like, no, like before you come back to work as a funeral director, which is also crazy. Um, you need to be drug tested. Like I've never heard of that before. Maybe For a funeral director or just having to be drug tested. Like that's just, I don't know. You but, would think they'd be like a little more lenient with funeral directors since like, I've got to deal with a lot of stuff. So yeah. why can't you be a little high? Yeah. I mean, you got to do something. It's a lot of boxes. <laughs> but, I'm gonna, I'm going to like poll a bunch of funeral directors to see if they, yeah, I feel like we should ask because I'm not like, when I was reading this case, I was like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, so basically he went to the lab to get a blood test because he wanted his job back. And um, the test um, came back positive for marijuana and painkillers because he was just in the hospital and got hit by a car. Um, so the employer ended up letting him come back to work, but mm -hmm. then he was fired a week later uh, because they found drugs in his system, even though they knew about that. Um, but... In the employer's um, response to the plaintiff's complaint, they said that he never told them about his medical marijuana prescription, mm -hmm. um, which was just entirely false. Like if you look through the brief and all of the evidence, it's it's actually it's kind of crazy what people will say in their answers to complaints sometimes. But oh yeah, um, yeah. So basically, this went to court. Um, he filed a lawsuit saying that he was terminated in violation of the New Jersey law against discrimination mm -hmm. and um, under the Compassionate Use for Medical Marijuana Act. Um, so the trial judge was like, sorry, you, again, you can't find, there's no um, foundation for this argument under the Compassionate Use for Medical Marijuana Act because it doesn't say that. It doesn't ask, it doesn't allow an employer um, an employee to seek relief for adverse employment actions. So like- So New Jersey was different than PA. They did the opposite thing. So no, New Jersey was the same. Like, oh. they, were just, like they were like, you can't do anything. Um, so the guy was like, well, you know, maybe I can file a claim under the law against discrimination, which if you guys ever are interested in this, it's actually fascinating. New Jersey is like, a lot of people like talk crap on New Jersey, but like they have really good laws. Wait, so you're saying that when the employee, I thought in PA they gave the employee the right to bring the action and that they gave her relief. And you're saying in New Jersey, did I misunderstand? Oh, no, 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 you're right, you're right. Um, under, in the court of common pleas, yes. But that's not like a whole statewide thing because that case was non-binding. Right, so in New Jersey, they did the same thing? In New Jersey, the guy tried to file suit under their similar statute, and the court said, at first, the same thing. The trial court was, uh -oh. yeah, you can't do this because there's no private right of action under for adverse employment actions under this statute. Um, 
So the guy tries to file um, file suit under the law against discrimination. Okay. Um, so what happened there was the court was basically like, yeah, sure, you can. This is actually a more legitimate argument because you're being discriminated against um, because of a, of a disability, which brings us back to what we were talking about in the first place. Um, ADA. Yeah, with the ADA. Um, so basically the court just, um, is, the defendant is now uh, well, appealed to the New Jersey Supreme Court. So the court is currently hearing oral arguments on that um, mm-hmm. because they found in favor of the employee at first. So again, that brings us back to like the beginning. I know I've been talking a lot, but- no, this is good. Um, so even though states have um, their own anti-discrimination laws, the way it works a lot of the times is that you file these discrimination, um, you know, complaints in under your Pennsylvania Human Relations Act or uh, the New Jersey laws. Um, and then a lot of times those complaints get bundled in with the ADA um, or any federal statute that is, um, that aligns itself with whatever state statute that is. Okay. Um, the problem here is, is that you, even if, like, let's say, um, we can now say that you cannot discriminate against employees for medical marijuana use under state laws and Pennsylvania or New Jersey, right? that doesn't matter when you go into the federal law context because the ADA, which means you're not going to be able to sue under the ADA, um, the ADA prohibits um, the use of illegal drugs. So right, right, right. there's a specific clause in the ADA that states like, all, we've got all of these, like you can't discriminate against um, people with disabilities for X, Y, and Z reasons, but um, using illegal drugs is like not one of those. Um, right. And so it, the whole, the rest of my paper and what I've been talking about um, to others recently is just about What does that mean? Because clearly, I don't see us moving anywhere towards having um, marijuana not be an illegal drug. Um, How crazy would it be? I was thinking about this the other day. How crazy would it be if, like, after all this COVID stuff, Trump, like, went for a win and just, like, randomly legalized marijuana? Like, I was trying to think of, like... Okay, great. And then people sue under the ADA. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it would be crazy. I mean, I also want to add that when Tatiana sent me her outline for this segment, the part about the ADA was uh, headlined with "ADA is sort of the big papa here." Yeah, <laughs> it really my is. favorite, my favorite thing. So yeah. basically, what you're saying now is that we're at a place where until marijuana, like states are making developments, but until federally marijuana is not considered an illegal substance. Now, could the government do that? I know we have to wind down soon, but could the government do that, the federal government do that and make marijuana still, like not a, not a legal thing recreationally, but legal medicinally and like keep it in the middle there? Like, are they allowed to do that? Um, I mean, so if you actually, the whole basis for that, right, is the Controlled Substances Act. If you actually look, at the Controlled Substances Act, Schedule II drugs or drugs that are medically prescribed, like hydrocodone, oxycodone, Adderall. Ah. 
So, I mean, theoretically, yeah, you could just make it a, a schedule two drug. <laughs> and, um, or you could just amend the ADA and put an exemption in, into it, which already sort of exists. There's a clause in the ADA that says drugs that are medically prescribed are excluded from this whole exempting illegal drugs BS. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really up to Congress. Wow, what, what a great idea. Everything is just left up to Congress. Right? I do think it's encouraging that like this one company from this person that told me the story, this company, this, you know, big industry leader was, is aware enough of the situation that they, that it didn't, that it allowed him to, or allowed the person to get the job. But I think that, you know, that's all a private choice by a private company. So well, I think also that's a lot of like, no one, no company right now wants, wants to see their name in a constitutional law casebook, right? right. So you don't really, I feel like it's a lot of companies are probably getting um, the advice to be proactive and just be a little more progressive about it because yeah. at the end of the day, like they're making their own rules and their companies, you can, you have a lot of free reign. Um, and as long as you are, you know, abiding by the, the state laws and federal laws, like you can give a medical marijuana consent form. Like you can authorize. Yeah to tell you before and actually so new jersey actually just did that so they amended this statute basically uh i think requiring employees now to tell their employers so like you can't go ahead and then sue your employer saying like they discriminate against me if you didn't tell them so that would be a whole other set of issues so it's, it's pretty interesting um how you know this is all sort of like coming together, but it, we're not quite there yet. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I really wish I could be positive for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was so helpful and so informative. And I guess the takeaway for us here at the podcast is, um, and Ross, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, we are pro medicinal marijuana. We are pro yeah, it not being a controlled substance. I won't go further into what we are pro on regarding drugs, but um, DM yeah. me if you want to know my stances more. <laughs> Very pro medicinal marijuana. You know, I think I would rather people be on medical marijuana than um, like oxy all this stuff. Like it's crazy. Oh it's like puffing into our blood since forever. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah. And guys, if listening listeners, if you have questions, um, send them to the podcast. I'm sure. Tatiana would be happy to answer some of them. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much. And now it's time for HTHT Hannah Trav's Hot Takes. Today we are talking about weddings and we are joined by Tatiana who is engaged to be married next year to Sam, who's awesome. And uh, she has her own perspective on weddings. So um, let me start with mine. I am very single and I go to a lot of weddings and my friends are all getting married and that's great. Love it. What I will say about weddings is that while I love a celebration of people's unions, I do not like all the um, junk that comes with it. So like the whole bridal shower thing, the whole like I have to spend a million dollars on a dress and 
you know. See, I don't mind any of that. Basically, I hate You what? I don't mind any of that. You like bridal showers? Well, the the boy version, but yeah. <laughs> really, the only thing that I really don't like about weddings is uh, I don't really like the first dance. Like, it's a great moment <laughs> for the couple, but, like, no one gives a shit. And especially... <laughs> Uh, the first dance needs to stop being Can't Help Falling in Love with You by uh, uh, Elvis Presley or um, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by The Four Seasons. We all know those are two great love songs. Fucking pick something more specific to your couple. Ed Sheeran is a popular and nauseating one that I have heard. But at least it's like temporary Uh, and stuff. Like, I don't know, do... You don't think Ed Sheeran is the voice of our generation that will last? I really hope not. I mean, I... (laughs) If they made a golden record to send to aliens today, he would be fucking all over it. I actually can't talk too much crap. Like, my mom, that's my mom's. My mom's getting married um, in July. It was supposed to be next weekend, but she is... uh, That Mm -hmm. was her song. Ed Sheeran? (laughs) Ed Sheeran? Yeah. Cool. Your mom's cool. Yeah, other than Tatiana's mom, no more Ed Sheeran. Okay, so so Ross, your only qualm with the wedding industry, just want to make sure I understand this, your only qualm is the first dance. And you know, the classic like wedding tax thing, but I, I'm i a fan of... Uh, like wedding what? Like the wedding tax, how like things are like, Absolutely. if you wanted to have a private party for 200 people, it costs one thing, but if you say it's a 200 person wedding, then it costs something else. Um... And like, uh, you know, put put away your phones during the ceremony. Okay. We'll take professional photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, as much as it's so much fun to make somebody else's meaningful event all about you, like, yeah, chill out, guys. All right. So, Tot, you're planning a wedding. Tell us what your thoughts. Oh, my God. I mean, so we're actually um, getting married in Puerto Rico. Um, mm-hmm. And that was basically because... One, it is so expensive. Like, I agree with you, Ross. Like, it's unreal. Philadelphia is so wildly expensive. And, like, I, I don't understand why. Because every ballroom looks the same. Every, mm-hmm. every country club looks the same. And I feel like I've been to all the weddings there. And it's just, like, for me, it was, like, why am I going to spend literally $30,000 yeah. or more on four hours and then come home to my apartment? Like, that's just so underwhelming. Um, so I guess that is one of the things that like really is a pet peeve and I also just feel like I just really really hate the expectations of of like the bride like I am not someone that is going to be a bridezilla and I'm really saying that right now and I hope to god that is still (laughs) next year (laughs) but I just really hate it when people are like it's your day like you should do whatever you want and like yes that's great but I'm also inviting 150 people here that mean a lot to me and I wouldn't I want to know like their opinions and I want to know yeah like how they're getting there or like how like they're going to spend their vacation time there like I don't I'm not going to be inconsiderate and not consider them in my and that's been one of the things that like really really pissed me off and I also want to say to everyone that was making fun of us for postponing our wedding until next year after law school because we'll be engaged like two and a half years by then Ha, the joke is on you because coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. And now we are going to be smooth sailing, hopefully, you know. With yeah, I was honestly thinking about contracts. I know this is lame. And oh, my God. Like, I wonder if, like, the 
so a lot of contracts for like entertainers and stuff and most contracts have these like force majeure clauses which are basically like in the event of a natural disaster or something like that like you know that's not considered a breach of the contract and i feel like with coronavirus most places are going to be pretty um careful not to screw people over because it's just like of course they can't hold events if the venue can't hold the event then you know they can't expect to keep yeah. money but um it was just interesting because for my job i had to read like a couple contracts for i work in like entertainment law and so some of our clients who like had gigs canceled and there was one contract where a force majeure clause said in the event of an epidemic which i thought was so interesting i was like we didn't have any other contracts with that in it but for some reason these people were extra prepared so yeah, we have one in our in our comp in our wedding venue contract and it's like um and any force of God, I think. So that's going to also something that's going to be litigated a lot, I think. Mm -hmm. after this. What the heck does that mean? Yeah, what Who if your lawyer's an atheist? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, so you suddenly believe. <laughs> so it's cheaper for you to get married in Puerto Rico than it is to get married in Philly? Um, yes-ish. So like, it really- it's better. It's, it's just, for me, it just makes, for us, you know, it's not all about me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I um, hear coming. <laughs> Here it is. Um, <laughs> that was great. Um, for us, it just sort of made more sense to do, yeah. spend money on something that was a vacation and longer and something that our friends and family can really remember. Mm -hmm. We're drunk anyways. Like, yeah, man, I'd rather be drunk in Puerto Rico, to be honest. I've been over trying to go to the Caribbean for the last, like, five years. It's amazing. If you, we have gone the past four winters, I believe. Uh, my I don't know if you know the Tana, but my family is from Puerto Rico. I did not. Um, so I've sort of, like, dragged that into Sam's life. I know. I very distinctly remember when you got engaged, you wrote, the webs are getting a reekin'. I know. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> like, look, God bless. <laughs> So, um, so the takeaway here, I guess, before we end this segment, we got to know, do you have your wedding song picked out yet? Yeah. Comfortable telling us. Um, Ed okay, Sheeran. So songs change. <laughs> Subject to change. Um, um, so we've actually changed this a couple of times because we okay. both really, really like and enjoy music and especially like older music and it's none of the songs that you mentioned are wrong. Okay. That um, would be a really weird well, way to end this. I know. <laughs> like it's actually, I can't help falling. <laughs> no. <laughs> One of the songs I'm pretty sure we last talked about was Who's Loving You by the Jackson 5. Oh, um, that's oh okay. I like that. Um, and that's pretty cool. So that was a song that we both really, really love and, you know, enjoy. Oh, I like that. So that'll be good. Well, um, I'm glad it's until next year. For anyone who is getting married this year, I really hope that you're able to have your wedding or figure out a way to celebrate your love until you're able to have a wedding. And um, I'll end this segment by saying, um, I don't think bridal showers need to exist, but hey. That's I don't think there, but I'm going to be forced to have one so that's the thing most brides will tell me they've been forced to have one yeah. just i'm just saying i have done stand-up about this for like a little while and i'll pull people in the audience and they i'm most commonly told that other than bridezillas uh the bride is not the one who wants to it's just so awkward because i don't like to open presents in front of people and i also just like 
I don't know, like, I see Sam every day, and it's, like, it's just so weird to be in a room with just, like, pictures around you, which is most people are doing. They're, like, putting pictures on all the walls of everyone, and, like, will yours be women only, or will men, will it be, like, a joint party? I don't know. I haven't even thought about that. Okay. Well, then I just think that if you have to have a bridal shower, the men should have to come, too. That's, I agree. I'm hot. But, like, we had a pretty bumping engagement party like it was like 80 people and we we closed down pub web oh yeah sam wow. owns pub web guys up near temple oh. yes, yes everyone um you know tatiana's becoming the first lady of pub web <laughs> so, i mean there's there's two before me so oh okay fair yeah. third, third in line um all right well this has been the, any other final thoughts on weddings i thought when you guys were talking about a bridal shower i thought you were talking about a bachelorette party so that's why oh, i was no, confused I but now i figured it out and we're i'm good um, we're on the same page for sure okay i really don't want any penis themed things you don't no oh that i can't relate to. um i don't know no i'm kidding i uh bachelorette parties are what's up although this is a separate topic for a different time could i hold off on all these destination ones while i'm a law student and broke right. Yeah. yeah, Tatiana, how dare you? <gasps> you know, Get off the no, podcast. No, that's a destination wedding. Destination wedding is dope. Destination bachelorette parties are expensive. Oh, well, I was going to have one. I was going to have one for my friend uh, in Nashville, and, like, we had the tickets and everything, and then Corona had to postpone things. So now no. uh, I'm waiting to get a refund, hopefully, on a ticket. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love traveling with my friends, but I just think when you have to buy like a dress and the alterations and all of that, then to pay like, like it's cool to go somewhere, whatever. To all my yeah. friends who are at parties I've attended or will future be invited to that are destination, I will come for the record. But uh, all right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great episode. This has been super exciting. Um, Tatiana, you rock. And please keep us updated on um, the, if you change the song. Um, <laughs> and everybody have a great week. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Peace out. This has been Keep You Posted. Hosted and executive produced by Hannah Trav. Produced and edited by me, Ross Wiseman. Our art and logo is by Kristen Finger, and our music by Graham Trav. For a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com.